learn how to create quality puppet mount palettes with Swazzle Team, professional puppet builders from California. Link in the description. And we are live. Hey, hey. Hi, everyone. Again, we are at episode 50. My God, times go fast. Thank you so much for being here, watching, listening. Just be part of the Puppet Podcast. I'm so happy to, to see you as like a ritual now. We have those podcasts who coming every week. So thank you. Uh, take the time to write in the chat where you are, from where you're watching this show. It's always a, a blast for me and the crew to see. Oh, my God, we, we are all over. So thank you to again. And I want to tell you that we hit the 1,000 YouTube subscriber today. <laughs> it's kind of a celebration. As we, we launch this podcast, we just have so much fun to develop the network. And so thank you to, to share it. Thank you to you are kind of part of this experience. So let's keep going. We have a, a great Patreon. And I want to let you know that if you subscribe to the Patreon, you see the past workshop. I think I didn't mention that, but we get the workshop for um, the puppet greeting. We get one about web series and we will have a brand new one that we will talk tonight for the next workshop for August. So. Let's now, as the Patreon is said, talk about this podcast interview. So I get the chance to connect with many people and, and a lot of people that I, I really admire, admire the work and how they work with a lot of different crews. So I, we will go tonight to California and yeah, Michigan watching, Mexico is there. So let's go everyone to California to meet the brothers behind Swazzle. So here is Patrick and Sean. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. And we're twins, as you can oh. see. As yeah, we're very identical. I'm feeling happy. <laughs> I really like this shot. So, you know, at the podcast, we have a lot of happening. So this is one. <laughs> the twin in the real time. Different. Let's be curious. Now I feel like my own person. Ah, I feel so much better now. <laughs> Thank Hi, you, everyone guys. around the world. Yes. Welcome. So welcome from California. Yeah, yes. My name is Patrick. I'm Sean. And we're from Swazzle. Yes. Could you introduce a bit of <laughs> your... Yeah, you have your mask, fully equipped. Oh, welcome to California. Oh, yes. by the way, if you're tired of watching everything on the internet, wear your mask. Then you can watch stuff in real life. All right. That's my public service announcement. Yes. Thank you for those. I love when you have a lot of humor like this. Oh, my, my life. <laughs> the set is going away. Bring it out. Yeah. Could you bring to the people who, who discover you uh, some of the history of your way into puppetry, but also Swazzle adventure? Absolutely. Um, well, like we were saying at the beginning, this isn't a joke. We are twins. 
So we've uh, actually been working together for a number of years. Um, yeah, a few number, a few number of years. Um, we started doing puppets when we were in junior high, uh, junior high students at the age of 13. We built our first sock puppets, just really simple, you know, little sock puppets. And uh, then through, through our kind of evolution, we um, made our way to the local puppeteers guild in the San Francisco Bay Area called the San Francisco Bay Area Puppeteers Guild. And we learned from the membership there, we attend puppeteers festivals. And then now going on 20 years ago, um, we moved to Los Angeles where we um, sort of founded our, our company uh, down here and started making puppets in LA. Only to be cut down by a pandemic. That's right. Last year was our best year ever. This year is our worst. <laughs> yeah. But at least it's worse for everybody. Yeah. 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 We're, all, we we're all on the same boat. We are all for, on once, for once, puppeteers are suffering with the rest of the world, not just silently. <laughs> Let's talk about, but not the suffering, maybe the positive side of it. Oh, sure, of, it. of course. Yeah, you, you get to work with... I'm, I was so happy to see that you work with Jim Carrey. I know. Yeah, That's... it's interesting. If, if you had told me when I was, uh, oh, there he is in, in the photo behind Sean. Um, if you had told me that when we started building puppets at the age of 13, um, that we would one day get to work with Jim Carrey, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that would even make any sense. It, um, we've, we're very fortunate. You know, the, the puppetry community is a small, giving, creative community of people and through this art form we've had a chance to work with so many great people i mean jim carrey one of them but the creators of that show um are amazing the writers and the production team but also the fact the that director, we, director michelle yeah. gondry yeah and the puppeteers we get to work with you know the yeah. puppeteers that we know and the you know the people's names people might know and, and the puppeteers who people may not know it's it's such a rewarding experience to be able to work in a field that we really love yeah, if anyone has seen uh, season two, uh, I think it's the eighth episode. Um, they they do a uh, a whole uh, fifth fifth episode. Okay, the fifth episode. Well, watch them all. Yeah. Um, see who's right. See who's right. Well, find out. Uh, in episode five, um, it's an all all puppet time episode. So the entire episode happens in the world of the the show essentially. So. Um, and it's a very uh, beautiful, touching story. But for me, uh, for us, I think as, as puppeteers, what was great about it is the team of people that we got to assemble to work, work on the show. Um, it, it's not every profession where you can like work with your friends and your friends' people are your, um, you know, people at work are your friends and, and, and vice versa. Um, but that, that, that's what makes that experience even more special is it's not just you alone, it's you and all the people you get to share it with. Yes. Yeah, when we were kids, you know, we, we always loved Jim Henson, we loved the Muppets, we loved all, of course, that stuff. We loved Star Wars, we loved Disney animation films or, or Disney theme parks. Um, visual effects, special effects at the yeah, time. special effects. Matt um, um, And then the sort of, our first sort of real introduction to puppetry was through the Muppets, but it was really an introduction to characters. Um, that's what really drew us in. It wasn't, we weren't necessarily being drawn in, I don't think by an art form, so much as we were being drawn in by characters that we loved um, and work that we loved. And then when Jim Henson died, we were young and impressionable and it had a devastating impact on us. 
Um, we had an art teacher at the time who understood how distraught we were, um, even though we never knew him, but he had an impact on us. Um, her, her name is Miss Brown, um, and she was our junior high art teacher. And she said, well, sometimes when someone who's very important to you dies, some of their stardust falls down on you. And she said, she said, maybe we could find a way to create an art project to kind of turn your grief into something positive. And so we started drawing these Muppet characters in this really fun, uh, you know, farewell to Jim Henson um, that we then was sort of our first uh, using our art to sort of express maybe how we were feeling. And then from there, we started making puppets at home. And that's sort of, that was really what started our, our puppet making journey. Wow. So cool. I really like the story. And it's bring me to the, the next question is yeah. like the, the first actually of the proper interview is why do you cherish the art of puppetry? You know, the, the art of puppetry is so personal. And what I really love about it is there's nothing more um, personal than someone taking their craft and their ability and making a thing like a puppet mm -hmm. and then presenting that in front of an audience. Like it has, there's so many elements of, of your own um, creative self that gets put into puppetry, right? A stand-up comedian can be funny and they're funny, right? Mm -hmm. And an artist can make a sculpture and they're a sculpture. An actor can go on stage and tell a story. A puppetry gets to do all of that. Mm. And when you're the single puppeteer or a duo like us or a, or a company making, making puppets, you get to bring all of these art disciplines together in a very like personal way. And you can, and puppets can be everything and anything. They can be funny, they can be scary, they can be emotional, they can make you laugh, they can make you cry. Um, and there are so few art forms that do all of that. And a lot of it happens in front of an audience. It's like movies are amazing, but you can't make a movie in front of an audience. You can show them the final result. And that's a very important collaborative process. And a lot of people have had their input and their insight. And it takes a lot of you know, craftspeople to, to pull it together and artists and all that. But the fact that when you're doing a puppet show, all that stuff is happening live in front of the audience. So then you have that other extra element um, that it's this singular event that's happening for the people that are in that space. And there's I, like, I, there's very few art forms that have so many disciplines pulled into it um, that, that puppetry does. Yeah, multidisciplinary. Completely. You call it like this? Uh, it's kind of a wording yeah. something yeah, like that. Yeah, of course, to. yeah, multiple disciplines. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it, and and, and uh, yeah. So that that the also um, the other thing I love about um, puppetry is it's all about the people. This is what I've noticed during this pandemic. It's about the people. I miss the work. I miss the people more. Right. Like it's nice to be able to connect through this screen, but it's nothing compared to hanging out in a green room with twenty puppeteers and just laughing and having a great time and sharing stories. And knowing that you're going to see them again tomorrow, right? When we when we talk about um, you know 
learning how to build puppets or whatever, we always talk about different stages that you learn. You know, first you kind of learn on your own, just sort of by your own tricks of the, you know, you just kind of make stuff up. You don't know. And then like us, we learned, we went to a puppeteers festival and learned from a puppet building workshop. And we took those techniques and those got us for the next almost 10 years of our, of our work, just kind of expanding upon that. And the next time we took our puppet building to the next level was the first time we got to work at Jim Henson's Creature Shop building puppets for um, Brian Henson's show, Puppet Up. And we're learning from Jane Gutnick and builders there have been working for 20, 30 years and get trying to soak in as much information. And that takes our building to the next level. And so in, in all these different forms, um, unfortunately where we are in the world now, we're all in that first phase of, oh, we're doing it by ourselves because there's so much that you learn about puppet building when you look over to the desk next to you and someone's using some tool and technique you never thought of. You go, oh, what's that? And you go, I always do eyeballs like this. And you go, oh, I never thought about doing that. And you can really sort of, so along with the you know, interpersonal relationships and how much fun it is just to be around people who are laughing and funny and silly and, and outrageous, you also, you learn so much from, from having creative professional people around you all the time. And I'll say, I'll say one more thing about what makes uh, a puppetry so great and a career in puppetry so rewarding is unlike other careers, I'll just speculate, I haven't had another career, but I'm just going to guess based on what I see on television. Sure. Unlike other careers, you rarely find the puppeteer that doesn't love what they do. I guarantee you, you're going to find some lawyer that doesn't love what they do. You're going to find some office worker that doesn't love what they do. But puppetry is a conscious choice that people make to become a puppeteer. It's not an easy job to fall into. It's not a profitable job that you do it for the money. People do this for the passion and for the love. And to be in a career where you're surrounded by people where creating puppetry, creating performances is their passion is very special. Um, and I just don't, I just don't think, I think there are very few careers where you will find a small group of people that are so passionate about what it is that, that they do against all odds. <laughs> I mean, all odds. Yeah. That's so true. And that's why we, I have so much fun to interview puppeteer because the passion is right there. I agree so much. And people who watch, if you haven't seen the demo, like the, the reel of this company, just take the time after the interview to, we will maybe put the link below the interview. It's kind of really amazing to, to see what, what they do. And if you want to ask also people around a question, I see you have like, like 20 people watching a question, just write it in the chat. And we will bring it into the screen. So let's let's go for the next one because it's sure. so interesting. And I want to know because you talk a bit of the moment of the the death of Jim Henson, but I want to know how did your crush for puppetry happen? Do you have a specific moment you could relate to? I it's a couple of things. Um, one, I remember. Um, when we were very young, we were watching a, um, a special on PBS that they're airing. And it was called the um, of Muppets and Men. They made a book of it too. It's a fantastic book. It's out of print. It's great. Uh, behind the scenes of the Muppet Show. And basically they're showing how, how the Muppet Show was made. And um, I remember we were watching it. Uh, we were young. We were in elementary school. And they're showing... The, um, the classic scene in the Muppet Show with uh, in the Navy is the Viking scene. 
and they're showing all the puppeteers under the frame, making the puppets come alive. You know, you saw the cameras, you saw the sets, you saw the elevated thing, everything that we're sort of used to seeing now and behind the scenes of how the Muppets are brought to life. And afterwards, you know, our parents kind of knew that we were interested in this kind of stuff. So they showed us this little video, video, it was on TV. Um, and they showed us this and afterwards, our parents were like, so what did you think? And we were just kind of silent. And we said, so they're not real? And our parents were like, well, no. We're like, not even Kermit? And like, no. And we started crying. <laughs> we started crying. And so that that is one thing that I can point to where we were sort of made aware of um, the magic that puppetry has. No one looks at animation and cries because it's not real. They know it's fake, <laughs> right? There are things yeah. that people just know is fake. People believe puppets are real. Children believe puppets are real because they are real. You can pick mm -hmm. them up. For as much as you love Mickey Mouse, the closest you can get to hugging him is a man in a costume. But if you wanna meet Kermit the Frog, th th that's an actual opportunity that can happen. He can talk to you and speak to you and hug you. And I, I, I would say that, that that probably, if I were to think of the, the thing where our puppet crush began, it, ha it would have to have been at that young, young age. And if I were to say, if that was the crush, then the point in which the relationship got serious and got real <laughs> was when we, uh, when after building on our own, we found the Puppeteers Guild in San Francisco, the San Francisco Bear Puppeteers Guild. But really when things clicked is when we attended our first Puppeteers Festival. It was the National Puppeteers Festival 1993 at San Francisco State. Mike Osnowitz and Letty Schubert were the heads of the festival. And we were exposed to all sorts of different types of puppetry from around the world. Um, for, the, for those unaware of the puppetry community, Mike Osnowitz is Frank Oz's father. So Frank Oz, yeah. the puppeteer who does Yoda and Miss Piggy um, and all of that, uh, his father was very involved in the San Francisco Guild. And he was definitely an early you know, puppetry mentor for us when we were coming up. In fact, when people people ask us, you know, how do I become a, a puppeteer? Um, you know, say they have had their crush moment, say they've been enamored, but they don't know how to take it to the next level. Um, I always tell them what you do is you join or find your local puppeteers guild or local puppeteers organization. There is one, believe believe it or not, around the United States and probably around the world. Internationally, um, Canada for sure. Yeah. yeah, and then and then I always say go to a puppeteers festival. This is a normal time, but start saving your money now for 2022. Um, uh, so uh, puppeteers festival, either a regional or a national or the O'Neill puppetry center has this, um, this puppetry, puppetry conference, puppetry conference. And that will take your crush and turn it into a relationship. Mm. That's a good wording. Let's bring the crush to relationship and real work, actually. Crushes what? can fade. Relationships yeah. last a long time. And, and to that point, um, just to kind of tie lots of little strands together here, um, stitch them together, if you will. Um, puppetry is such a relationship because it is the people. It is the people. Like, like, um, like I said, you have this passionate group of people, but it's a close knit society. You know, there are very few puppeteers in the world, period. You know, yeah. I can't think of a, maybe there are more circus performers than puppeteers <laughs> True. In, in the world, right? There are probably more stop motion animation. 
animators than there and, are. And the truth is all of these puppeteers know each other um, in, in one way or the other. Um, so, you know, that relationship is, is key. Yes. And it's a community who connect really, I feel you have like a, a, a deep connection when you met another puppeteer. It's kind of a, a lot of enthusiastic yeah. just come yeah. out of, oh, yeah, yeah. you know that. Well, also, when you talk to someone at a party and they go, oh, my friend's a puppeteer. I used to joke that my party trick was, oh, who's your friend? I bet I know them. And I'd be yeah. like, you don't know. And they say the name and go, oh, yeah, so-and-so. We work on Bubble together. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> because all puppeteers <laughs> know each other. Yeah, a small community. Very small. I want to know about like the study. Like, in your opinion, what would be the best feel of study to become a puppeteer? It's interesting. Um, we so we didn't study to be puppeteers. Uh -huh. um, we it was like our our thing that we knew we were going to do. Uh -huh. And so when we went to college, you know, we went to Danza Junior College in Cupertino, and we studied film and television um, because we knew. We already had our path for what we wanted to do. What we were studying is how to apply it. So for mm -hmm. us, it was the puppetry. You know, I know there's a, some great educational opportunities for people out there. Um, for us, the education really came from almost like a, a one what called mentorship. You know, learning under other mm -hmm. people and finding professionals that are a little further than you down the line that you can glean some information from. I would say that uh, it would be good to at least take one junior college class on business <laughs> because doing your art is wonderful. Doing your art and eating food is even better. Yeah. So if that is something that's a priority for you, eating food, um, then okay. you need to be able to balance a checkbook. You need to be able to keep a budget. You need to be able to answer your phone, answer email. Um, follow through, show up on time, right? Show up on time. Um, and, uh, and, and have that, that business sense because yeah. the difference between a, like a, star, a starving artist and someone who's, who's, you know, making their art and making a living, like you want to make an art and make a living, you right. know? Um, so you need to understand that business sense. Like, now that we've been here in LA for 20 years, you know, we're, we have a corporation, we have a little workshop space. We, you know, we spend a lot of time answering emails, a lot of time on QuickBooks, you know, doing accounting and all of that. Um, and it's funny, it's the old joke when, um, what is it? When lawyers get together, they talk about art. When artists have to get, get together, they talk about business or whatever it is. Um, but the, the point is, um, having a well-rounded business sense, like Cirque du Soleil would be nothing if they didn't have business people saying, okay, this is cute, like the tent, like the show, now let's make a business out of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I would say. I also feel like um, people that bring something else to puppetry has something have something more to add. So if you're an actor and you get into puppetry, you're going to bring that acting ability with you. Right. If you're a designer, like, you know, you know, the, the skill of designing characters, you can bring that to puppetry. Um, if, if you're, you're a twin, twin, if you're a twin, <laughs> get a twin. Uh, you if can you're annoy a, everybody in puppetry. That's right. Um, if you're a writer, you can you can bring those skills to puppetry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those 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 would be some. Answers we 
when we first started doing um, our shows, one thing that I always like tell people is um, you have to be, be ready to hire yourself. Like Sean was saying, no one's going to give you permission to have a career in puppetry. You have to kind of do it yourself. And you kind of have to be the first person to hire yourself. Well, I guess if I want to be a puppeteer, I'd like I always say, I don't know if someone were to say to me, how do I become a puppeteer? I would say, mm, I, I don't know, but mm. I know how to create a puppet business, which is create your own show, write your own stuff, maybe audition for the libraries, do some shows at libraries or preschools or, you know, create a web series or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, but when we, speaking of the business stuff, years ago we were doing, we started our main business. Everything we kind of built on was doing shows at libraries during the summer reading program. Uh, only just two years ago did we finally stop um, doing that as part of our, our business. But um, we were doing a, a library show and the librarian was there filling a survey out. And uh, I said, oh, what's that? She goes, oh, it's, um, you know, they make us fill out these surveys about all the performers. And uh, and I said, oh, let me, let me guess. Uh, I bet I know what the first question was. So what's that? I said, are they professional? She goes, yeah. I said, I'll bet the second one is, are they on time? She goes, yeah. So, and it's interesting to think like that sounds very simple, but it was the first two things that she was looking for in a performer. Are they professional? Mm -hmm. Are they on time? You'd be surprised how many artists don't understand what it means to be professional or what it means to be on time. You know, hey, if, if you're an artist and you can't check your email, make a deadline and show up on time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a great time making your art, but maybe you won't be able to make that trip to Trader Joe's. Or if you don't mind, if no one sees it. Yeah. Yeah. So you could be I, the best artist in your garage. <laughs> That's true. And I know Eli is like smiling right now because he <laughs> always bring this business. We need to bring business skill to puppetry. So let's bring some like the tips that we show about promotion, how to promote your work. I'm so happy that you, you shared this business sense in this field of, of art. And it's really interesting and we have question from okay. the, the the audience so let's bring one just let i i bring this milo who asked to patrick sean even think about what jim would be <laughs> uh, do i think about what jim henson would be making now all the time now unfortunately we never um met jim henson i think about what he would all the time what would jim henson be making right now i think I'm, this is pure speculation as a fan of his work and someone who was as no one that he was very involved in, in innovation. Yeah. I know that one show that I suggest all of your audience members go and check out it's on YouTube. Um, but it was originally aired on NBC called the Jim Henson hour. And it was pretty much a potluck featuring all of the things that Jim Henson was interested in at the time. There are short films, there are puppet segments, there are non puppet segments. There are, kind of creepy moments there's everything and one there's thing digital that, animation and that's gonna say there's one character in that named waldo was performed by steve whitmire um and it's a digital puppet that was created by pdi pacific data images which soon went on to become dreamworks animation now it's dreamworks animation um but um that was a live puppetry um performed by a computer i think if jim henson was alive um, there would be a smaller place in the market for something like a Pixar, because I think he would have beat to market just the way the way George Lucas is an innovator in digital filmmaking. Uh -huh. Even though Jim Henson was very focused on puppets, I think he would have been an innovator in digital filmmaking. And perhaps we would have seen a Toy Story or a Bug's Life um, coming from a creator like Jim Henson 
and probably 10 years earlier than we ever saw it from Pixar animation. Oh, I guess. that's a good one. And he would solve this pandemic. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. There was a time when, um, when Disney was kind of back on its heels and the Jim Henson company was, um, it was probably Muppet Sync at the time, but you know, they were like going gangbusters. And I, there was a time when the Jim Henson company was inter entertaining the idea of buying Disney. Uh -huh. So it's, who knows, who knows? I mean, his, unfortunately his death was so um, untimely because he was at the cusp, he was at the cusp of this, of these technological breakthroughs. Now I'll say the brilliance of a character like Waldo isn't the technology. The technology is amazing, but the fact that he used technology to tell a story with a character. Mm. True. And that, that, was his, that was his confluence. That was his, he was great strength was to say, to take all of these elements and use them to make you laugh and cry. Hmm. True. So, so interesting. It's kind of good to have your vision on that. And um, I want to, to know your own definition of a puppet. You know, some, some kids sometimes ask or adult or professional. So, so many, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an example. Ready? Yeah, I'm going to give you a visual. Yeah, this yeah. is a puppet. This is a puppet. And the reason that's a puppet is because the object doesn't define whether it's a puppet or not. It's what or who is bringing that object to life. If a puppeteer is bringing an object to life, that object is a puppet. Yes. I and sometimes, so sometimes a puppet is a giant dinosaur, like in Jurassic Park. And sometimes a puppet can be a pair of scissors. Because if you're, you know, giving that little pair of scissors life and you're coming up with funny ways that it can move and, and you're telling a story and you're giving the illusion that it's actually alive and I'm a puppeteer, then this is a puppet. Yes. So true. You have something to add, Patrick, on, on this or? No, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, Zoom. think about, yeah, when you think about, um, you know, we're lucky to work in film and television sometimes. Uh, a lot of people that work in film and television work in creature effects. And mm -hmm. so they, like Sean says, Jurassic Park, they'll bring a giant dinosaur to life or an alien or a monster or a gorilla or whatever. And sometimes that team of people is the person inside the suit. Sometimes it's someone with the character over their hand. Sometimes it's someone with a joystick moving levers around. Mm -hmm. But they are all puppeteers and they are all bringing a puppet to life. Um, oftentimes people try to define what a puppet is by the object. And like Sean said, it's not about the objects, it's about mm. who's bringing it to life. And that just goes back to the people. It just comes back to the people. Yeah. A puppet without a puppeteer is a doll. It's a prop. It doesn't, it, it's it, stick, put on, sit in the corner, you know, but it's when the puppeteer, um, that puppet needs the puppeteer um, to come alive. It's that human element. Yes. I really like that someone was saying the podcast and, and all of those questions bring like out of the intellectual, like just like, concrete and it's so a concrete answer a real like we touch we we feel it so yeah. thank you for that sure i want to know if you believe that puppet art is in an ascension always classic look we've been at this so long enough that people have come to us and they said hey you know good news they just uh they're just remounting uh, little shop of horrors and uh they they did a new muppet movie i think puppetry's on an upswing 
Hey, Avenue Q is huge on Broadway. I'll bet puppets are coming back. Puppets are coming back. <laughs> puppets are always coming back and they're always going away. I think they're always where they are. Um, I think it's, there are different answers to that. So if, if it is a visual effects film and it's an alien, then it's up to the filmmaker to decide what tools in their toolbox they want to use. You know, Peter Jackson might decide he wants to put a guy in a giant mask and that's what's going to be best. Or, or maybe this character has to be digital because that's what's going to be best. It's, it's part of a, a, a collection of tools that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, and that point, I think it, you know, digital work can enhance puppetry. Puppetry can enhance digital work. Sometimes people just want to use stuff because it's real. Sometimes people just want to use it because it's what they like. You know, when we do a show like Crank Anchors, which we built puppets for and performed on for this most recent season, the whole thing is it's silly puppets you know that that show doesn't make sense with actors or digital animation they like the look of the fleece and the foam and the silly puppet actions and the specific puppetry um to comedians voices it's just it's just personal taste so i think it's always up it's always down it's just what's the taste of the of the creator but mm. here's what i would say in lots of ways it's down he means and uh, as far as improv technique goes <laughs> and and yes and it's Thank down. You. It's down. Uh, and here's why. Um, in 1983, let's just say 1983, being a puppeteer was a viable career because you could land that McDonald's commercial that was a national spot and it ran for four years and you bought a house. You could go on to a TV show uh, like Sesame Street or The Muppets or Fraggle Rock or pick any Henson puppet project that was shooting and they all needed 20 people. Or you had a, a movie like um, any any horror film, any horror film, Gremlins, for example, right? Like a comedy horror film with lots of puppets in it, or just any horror film. Um, if you needed a talking um, canister of butter, you needed a puppet. If you needed a anything that we see on commercials, like nowadays, Geico Lizard would be a puppet. The mucus guys that sit in your lungs would be a puppet. The, um, the, the Chantex turkey would be a puppet, right? <laughs> They make a choice to make the Foster Farms chickens puppets, but I'm sure there's conversations every day. So when should we just make them digital? We make them digital. Like now it's sort of a nostalgic choice. I also mm-hmm. kind of hear people say like, well, yeah, puppets are making a comeback. I mean, look at all the Star Wars movies. That's a nostalgic choice. That's, that, that's modern filmmakers trying to get my $15. Right. <laughs> because they know that I am the age yeah. of Star Wars. And we like Yoda more than Jar Jar. And so right. we'll I am the age of, money I'm the age of Star Wars. And if you want me to come to your movie, you had better put a puppet in it because people my age love Star Wars and hated Jar Jar. And so the one thing that JJ could do to not bring in Jar Jar was to make sure that there were lots of puppets and so, but that was, a, that was a nostalgic choice. That's not a forward thinking choice. I think as far as film is concerned, uh, mm-hmm. that's, puppets aren't going to be the traje- trajectory. I, I do think that what we really need, to be honest, in order for puppetry to have a true comeback is mm-hmm. you need to do with puppets what Tim Burton did with stop motion. Stop mm. motion was cute. Oh, it's that holiday special we watched every year with stop motion. And he said, I like stop motion. I'm doing this not because it's a special effect, not because it's cheaper than puppets, not because it's nostalgic. I'm doing this for the pure love of the art form. Hmm. There's no reason why, there's no logical reason Nightmare Before Christmas is stop motion. No, it's because it's a beautiful art form that he wanted to bring to the screen. So the only way that puppetry has a true um, upswing 
is he have, have more productive, like the new Dark Crystal on Netflix, which we got to work on at Henson, which is amazing. They, they said, no, we are making this a puppet show, right? So the way, that, the way you know that puppets is really on the upswing is when the puppets aren't the, well, we can make it a puppet. Right? Yeah. I guess we can, we can like use the puppet. We'll, bring the puppet. Well, we'll just put CG over this. Oh, well, <laughs> actually the puppet's cheaper. So yeah, Dark Crystal was, first of all, um, uh, we're, it's kind of a weird thing where, we're, where we are culturally because everything that we loved as kids, we've now had a chance to work on the new version of uh, <laughs> as, as adults. Except, like, you know, except we, Star Wars. Except, well, we haven't had a chance to work on Star Wars yet. Give it time. Give it time. That's true. <laughs> um, but um, so Muppets, we love the Muppets as kids. And we suddenly find ourselves working on two Muppet films. Like, oh, you're, you're, you're next to the puppeteers that we grew up watching as kids. And now we're... Uh -huh. Performing next to them, getting notes from the director. Um, you know, we got to work on a little Fraggle Rock music video. Um, we we did a workshop, a little Sesame Street workshop, um, where we learned, you know, puppetry technique. We um, got to work on the Dark Crystal. Like I never thought that I'd ever be working on a Dark Crystal project ever. You know, that's a movie we watched when we were kids and we we loved it and it's really cool. I didn't think that how many years later we would be sitting down at the Jim Henson's preacher shop making gelfling hands. Like that isn't that wouldn't have computed. Um, so I guess, yeah, so, uh, I mean, but, but what I say about, about what's incredible about that, about that show is me watching it as an audience member. I know what we made. Uh -huh. I know what we made and I don't know how they made it. Like I watch the show and I go, I, I know our pieces are in this puzzle, but how on earth did they put all these pieces together in such an incredible, astounding, spectacular fashion? When that giant rock monster comes on screen, that was a character that was built out in England. I thought for sure, I watched an entire episode and I thought, well, that must've been CG. That must've been CG. And then I saw some behind the scenes photos on, on Instagram or whatever. And I was like, oh, they built that thing? That was real? That was, it's that show, the work that they did and the work of the puppeteers um, and the director and the set builders. I mean, that was not an easy task. And it is among the, I think among the best puppetry works that now exist in the world. Like it's, yeah. it's incredible. So you, you'll know that puppetry is on a true ascension when it's not a specialty thing. When it's mm -hmm. as ubiquitous as animation, then you'll know that puppetry is truly back. So I think that actually puppetry will never hit that, unfortunately. Well, I think it's well, always gonna be a niche up, <laughs> or Or it's up to people watching and people making their own work to say, and here's what I wanna tell and here's how I wanna tell it. Oh, well, it's certainly, certainly yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, all the Tim Burton's of the world that are still coming up that say, mm -hmm. you know, it's so funny how often, so we build puppets on commission, we build puppets for lots of different people, projects big and small. We have had so many meetings with people who work in animation, who love puppets. And they go, you know, I just want to, I have this idea for this thing and I think it should be a puppet and I want to do a short film and it's got to be a puppet and I have this concept, it's got to be a puppet. And it's so funny to think that they, they work in the field where they could quit their job today, maybe not nowadays, but they could get a job at any studio almost around the world. And they want to do that one little weird thing that, <laughs> that is, I think it's because it's, it's real, it's tactile, and it's, you can hit it with lights and see it come yeah. to life. So, totally. so now we're to the point with stop motion animation, where it has moved from something you would see once a year at Christmas time. So, you know, there's a whole Leica studio, which is creating stop motion films. You have the, you know, Tim Burton, you have the fantastic Mr. Fox. It pops up like a show like Tumble Leaf. Like I can name, you know, a lots of stop motion. Yeah. Jordan, um, Jordan Peele making his monkey paw studio, creating 
Yeah, everything for adults. Right, I think the stupid buddy is doing and all that, right? So when puppetry has hit that level, then I'll say, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. It's, it's found its moment. It's not there yeah. yet. So you, you feel it's still room for improvement or like- sure. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like if hey, you go- Nature like, abhors a vacuum. If you go to uh, like pitch a TV show to a, to a network, right? Um, and you pitch in a puppet show, they'll say, oh, we have a puppet show. Like you have 40 cartoons. No one goes, nah, we have an animated show. We don't need any more of those. Yeah, or nah, we already have a sitcom. I think puppetry and animation are misunderstood <laughs> in the same way, which yeah. is people think of it as a genre. You know, well, we already have, well, we don't do animation. We don't do kid stuff. It's like, well, animation can be anything. Puppetry can mm -hmm. be anything. Just like circus, miming, clown, magic. All of these, there's there's no genre to any of this stuff. Mm. It, it Any genre can work with any of these mediums. It just takes someone creating that that perfect project. Yeah, to bring it to the level for adults or for, yeah, mm -hmm. totally right. And I want to know as you as puppeteer, but for also your business, your like biggest purpose for the future. Like, do you have something like on the fridge or <laughs> you say, this yeah. is the future. It's interesting. So like I said, no one's first, gonna- First of all, let's survive 2020. Yeah, survive the But pandemic. in case someone's watching this after 2020. Yeah, so yeah. first, don't get COVID-19. That's yeah. number one. Number one. Number two is, um, so to do what, we, what we've been doing, with our career. So when, when we got into puppetry, it wasn't to be a puppeteer for someone else. It wasn't to build puppets for someone else. It was to create our own work. The first thing we did as puppeteers was create our own show and very quickly started making money doing our own work. And so mm -hmm. what I know is that is the most sustainable way to, to, uh, to have a career in the arts. If you're always waiting for the phone to ring for someone else to bring you in, then you're at the mercy of everyone else's good idea but you should be the one with the idea of bringing it forward. And so you also spend all of your time, treasure, and effort bringing other, birthing other people's babies. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like other a, midwife, a midwife to the world, but maybe you wanna have one of your own. Exactly. So, so where we see, um, you know, at one point someone basically, we, we do a lot of work for other people and it's, and it's always fun to work with incredible projects. Um, our most rewarding stuff that we do is when we get to do something for ourselves. You know, we did, some traveling shows. We uh, did a production of The Little Prince, which was very rewarding. You know, we've done um, some short films that was our own concept. So the next, our sort of dream thing is it's it's a path that we're on now, and and soon we'll have more information about this. But it's to create our own work, to do what we've been mm -hmm. doing, to do the thing that built the company that we have, but then taking that to the next larger level after mm -hmm. we survive 2020 and possibly 2021. Yeah, and early 2021, after we survive March 2021. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, so we will stay aware of, of the future for sure, because we, yeah, we want to follow us on Instagram, we'll be bragging about it. Hey, look what we did. <laughs> look at us, we're so good. Well, one thing that I realized that as our, um, as our kind of our careers and our, as we, we kind of matured and grew and developed, we realized that you know, working for the Muppets is an amazing dream come true. Working for Jim Henson Creature Shop, building puppets is an amazing dream come true. But Jim Henson did not build all of his stuff by working for other people. Hmm. He created his own world, his own characters. And so our, our, true, our true passion is to bring our own stories and our own characters hmm. um, to life. That's, that's, 
that's that's what really is driving us. In fact, so, we had a conversation with these weird times that we're in right now. We have a little workshop space, and you can't keep work. There's no production shooting. There's no live shows renting puppets. There mm -hmm. is pretty much nothing. We have a few little builds here and there, things that come through our website, which is incredible that we have a few things to keep us busy. But I pretty much said to Patrick, I said, okay, we have a space. How do you want to use it? And the way that we're using it is we're pouring our efforts into our own properties. We're developing some ideas with some friends of ours. We're rebuilding some puppets that are our characters. We're going to create some few little shorts. We've done some little internet videos. Like we've, it's kind of like gone back to basics. And, you know, since the, the phone isn't ringing, great. That's a blessing because it's a distraction that we don't need. It's funny. Last year, was the busiest in our company's history. And I mean, busiest in 20 years ever. And I remember last year I said, I just need a year off. If I could just take a year off. Sorry, world, you're getting it. You're getting my year off. So now that we have this time, we're trying to, we're trying to, now that we're like out of survival mode and we've stopped, you know, washing packages, um, you know, now we, we can sort of like, think, well, what, what is this? What is this? Yeah. We yeah. redesigned, we redesigned our logo. We cut a new demo reel. Um, we're trying to like kind of focus in on the whole reason why we got into this. Yeah. Yeah. True. That's so it's a, a focus moment. So yeah. yeah, I wish this focus moment will bring you to the next level that you expect for sure. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> that makes three of us. Yes. So we have other questions because, right. uh, oh, yeah, a lot of questions. Okay, I will bring, uh, it's so interesting. Do you see it or, or not? Okay. Not yet, but what I will. Yeah, I, I will bring it into the screen. Uh, yeah, I will bring Alexander. It's kind of a, 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 a big question. But right. let's see. They're making foam puppets um, with mechs, um, but I've been seriously considering going retro, wood carved strings instead of uh, new uh, technology. I'm across yeah. the road. Decided. Okay, great. So, so the question is, should yeah. he lean on his old school skills or continue with with modern skills uh, and in modern technologies like mechs and foam? Mm -hmm. Interesting yeah. question. Yes. Hmm. Well, I guess it would depend on what kind of work you want to create. Um, I, I would say, it's funny, um, I got an email once um, from someone who was, um, they're going to go to UConn, and they wrote to me a bunch of puppetry questions. Uh, UConn is University of Connecticut, for those that don't know, and they yeah. offer a Master's of Puppetry program. Yeah, I think the only one. Place. Only in our nation. Yeah. So, anyway, so, and he said, you know, you know uh, are there any techniques you use that are obsolete? that are old school, that I don't need to learn or whatever. And I answer the question saying, everything we do is old school and obsolete. You know, I think there are, and, and I don't, I can't think of a project where we haven't used it all. So in other words, I can't think of a project where we haven't used, oh, maybe a little 3D printing and also draping, which is the way they made dresses at the beginning of time. You know, like, like every project that we've worked on, there's this, there are these it's always a combination of what's old and what's new. So I would say whether you focus on one thing or another, it depends on what kind of work you want to create. But I would say what's awesome is one can inform the other. You know, right. like the fact that you have 
this knowledge of these old different techniques and how to use metal and resins and who knows what. Well, imagine what happens if you apply that to wood carving, you know? Well, and that's what I was going to say. I, I would say two, two things. One, follow your passion because follow your passion, especially nowadays. Now, follow your passion. Right. So do what you want to do, um, right? Follow your passion. That's the most important. Second, we have an amazing uh, costumer who's been working with us. It just started last year. Uh, we brought her in for uh, kidding and, and crank anchors. And, and she is incredible at making costumes. And then we had a bunch of puppets that we needed to make. And it turns out all of her costume making skills translated perfectly into draping the, the puppet to figure out what the fleece needs to be to cover the puppet. So if you are familiar with woodworking, you already know three dimensions, right? You can translate that straight into carving foam. Um, and, and so I, I think it's, it's important to follow your passion and know that all of these skills are transferable. Yes. That's a really nice answer. And yeah, Alexander, right. Cool. So that, I <laughs> Thanks, think Alexander. Good luck. Yes. So let's bring Aileen. Aileen bring this question. So what was the most accurate way you pitch like a show to a business right. or a company? That's a good one. Aileen, I have always got question. You know, it's so funny. I, so when we first came to LA, we're like, we're going to be puppeteers and film and televisions. What we're going to do? How do you, how do you do this? And we got to get an agent. How, how do you get an agent? So here we are 20 years later, we have three agents. We have an agent who represents our live theater shows. We have an agent who represents us as performers, puppeteers, and we have a, agent who represents our intellectual work, you know, or if we're creating a show or something like that. I couldn't have uh -huh. imagined how that happens. But I would say um, the way you pitch and sell a show, there actually is a way to do it. That's what I've learned. There actually is a system and it's all about relationships. But I can't just go to NBC and say, oh, it's got a show. They're like, get out of here, crazy person. We don't know you. I have to find someone who can represent me. That's what representation means is they represent you. I'll, 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 I'll call them. I've known them for years. Let me do that. So the real thing about when it came to us pitching and, and developing shows, first of all, have a great idea. That's one thing. Number two, love your idea because generally they won't. Uh, number three, be prepared for everyone to pass um, and just embrace that. You go, great. Next, next, next. Um, and also create more than one idea. I, I always wonder about people who just have one thing going. And that's, mm. that's a lot of eggs in one basket. You know, we always have a couple irons in the fire. You never know what, which one's going to strike first. Um, but the, I actual, say, the actual nuts and bolts is you need yeah. an agent. Yeah. Uh, you need a literary agent yeah. that can shop your work because they know, oh, I know the executive over at, at Disney or this international company in Canada. Or actually, you know, this French company is looking for uh, new kids mm. content for five to 10 year olds. You guys got anything? Um, so, but without an agent, it's just you knocking on a studio door, uh, saying, Hey, let me in. And I should say that, um, nothing we've, we've pitched a couple projects. One got to the point where we were making a short for Disney, which is cool. Uh, it was an original idea that it was us, our friend, um, Artie, who's also a puppeteer and he should be interviewed on your podcast. Um, and also uh, Andrea and a really, really funny uh, writer uh, friend of ours who is currently working um, at DreamWorks Animation. Um, and it was, a, it was our team of people and we pitched it over to, um, to Disney and uh, we pitched it everywhere, but the executive at Disney really liked it. They gave us some money to make a development short and it became a short and then they passed and that's, that's it. And then we, then we pitched the short around 
and we had some interest here, interest there, and then they all passed and that was it. So, but, but the agent, the agent is the one that got us even the meetings. Yeah. So every, every, um, every, uh, field has their gatekeepers and mm -hmm. it might seem arbitrary and go like, why do I need an agent? My idea is perfect. You know why? Because they need a way to funnel that information so it's digestible for them. Because what happens is it's not just you who has an idea. It's everyone has an idea. And they all have a brilliant idea that's going to change the world. Nowadays, so, though, nowadays, though, there's the modern, there's a, there's a back door, oh, which is sure. great. Yeah. You can tunnel under, just have a million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. You Make walk, yourself famous. You walk Become in anywhere and say, hey, I got a million subscribers on YouTube. What, you think Hulu's not going to give you a show? They wish they had a million subscribers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the other way. To, yeah. L lucky now, if you can become the star of TikTok and then you've got people knocking on your door, you'll have agents seeking you out saying, hey, you know. Mm. True. That's so cool. It's, it's kind of good. It's the first time someone bring the agent vision to, to the show. Some, some, and I think it's business. typically from LA also. But it's LA. It's so LA. Yeah. But yeah, it's, no, sorry about that. But it's business, but also relationships and people, like Sean is saying yeah. before. You know, agents aren't agents are people and they're yeah. creative and they're interesting and they have taste and they've got a collection of, of creative people. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't see anything on television because artists wouldn't know the right way to pitch or to get their material in front of people. Or they would all undercharge for their work and they would yeah. be like, well, I created all these shows on TV. How come I'm broke? Because you don't have an agent negotiating your deal for you. Like, yeah. look at, you know. Yes, true. That's so true. Let's let's go for the we are almost at the end that's so fun but i want to um to conclude always on the i will change the the mode of the vision so you could bring maybe a puppet or something oh, sure. of your work into the screen so let's switch like this so you have a bigger vision so yeah wow <laughs> well, hello there. My name is Montgomery Mole, and boy, do I love earthworms. <laughs> and I'm kittens. I like arts and crafts. <laughs> is, your, is your name plural or is it singular? Kittens. It's with an S. Yeah. No apostrophe. What? No, that'd be kittens. Oh, marvelous, marvelous. Marvelous. Oh. Yeah, I love those. <laughs> You, we'll, you are we'll part of another, a show. We'll take a listener question now. Yeah, yeah. You want me to bring oh, a question? Sure, oh, why not? Uh, unless, you, unless you don't have any good ones. Okay, yeah. Knowledge. But I'll tell oh. you just a little background. This little puppet started as a character from one of our live shows. And then he got kind of evolved into this for a, a little... Um, uh, we rented some puppets to a video uh, promoting the census, U.S. Uh -huh. census. Uh, and then during the whole pandemic, I took him home and I started doing those little crafting videos that we put up on our YouTube just to do something that was at home, but creative and hopefully giving kids and families, you know, some ideas of stuff they could do with, you know, objects they had in their own home. You should let kittens speak for himself. Meow! Crafting with kittens! Marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> Questions? Yeah, let's bring this one. We have here. Yeah. What did you guys think of Age of Resistance? Are you excited for the Labyrinth prequel? Well, I'll, I'll answer honestly. Um, I love the Age of Resistance. First of all, like we already talked a lot about it. It's incredible filmmaking. Amazing! And the fact that we got to work on it and that I, I, I now um, in a credit scroll, I share a credit scroll with Mark Hamill. 
And it's, if you can share a credit score with Mark Hamill, then you're in good shape. <laughs> uh, and we're very excited about anything like that. I would, I'm, I'm there. I'll see it. You know, the new, um, there's going to be a, now a new um, Fraggle Rock series TV. on Apple TV. Awesome. Yes. Great. I love it. Bring it all back. More puppets, please. <laughs> Marvelous. Let, let's bring it like this. Maybe they can talk to each other. Uh -huh. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's an adjustment here. Oh, certainly, certainly. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Well, anyway, I was digging for earthworms, and boy, do I love them. Nightcrawlers are the absolute best. <laughs> yeah. That sounds um, interesting. Kittens, I yeah. imagine your favorite food is... Bird. Oh, oh birds. Yeah, I, I hunt for birds. Yeah. Well, you know what? I sometimes eat birds, too. Oh, really? That's sort of creepy. So those beautiful characters, do you have a wish for puppeteers around the world, like for the future? You yeah, want to wear say your masks, stay healthy, <laughs> and then there will be an audience for your show. You know, I have a bad idea. Don't wear masks. That's a bad idea. Here's what I say. So if you listen to a, a puppet in government, maybe listen to a puppet here and say, wear your masks. Wash your hands, especially before you put a puppet on. Yeah. That's a good recommendation. Yeah. Yes. Because you know what? It's going to be very hard for people to see live puppet shows if, uh, you know, if this thing's still going on. Yes. So just to, just to be serious, <laughs> you know, keep yes. everything healthy. It's not all about you. Be safe. Wash your hands. And then we can return to the art of live performance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's wish this. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't but, wish it. We have to work it. <laughs> yeah, we have to bring on it. Yeah, so we have a great like comments. Was all is the best. Yay. Like. Yeah, amazing. Let's let's bring this. Adam said. Hey, Adam. Said it. Adam Kringer. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Yes. Everyone, follow him on YouTube. Learn about how how to build puppets. Adam does yes. amazing. I think he was on your show already. He does amazing uh, YouTube. By the way, he sets a great example of how people. Um, by the way, he is a resource I wish I had when I was thirteen. Uh, that's one yeah. thing that I would give. You know, if we're giving advice to young puppeteers. There are so many resources out there. When we started building puppets, there was this much internet, zero. Yeah. There was no internet. I sent my first email in college, right? Now, yeah. literally, you can go on to YouTube and watch how, how to make puppets in an actual professional way. It's incredible. Yes. And also, we will add a workshop with you guys. Yes. This is the re reveal of the the day. So the moment you've all been waiting for. <laughs> so I will share the the promo right here, hey everyone. So we will have a workshop about how to create quality puppet smart palettes with Swazzle, guys. So yeah, it's a, it's a, on the Patreon page. So feel free to go to watch the demo reel of those wonderful artists right there and yeah everyone be be excited about that because i i'm so excited about this and we we want you guys to have the best success 
What I would say really, really quick regarding the workshop, and this is why we chose to do a mouth palette workshop, is a lot of people can see a puppet on the outside and say, oh, I can sort of make that. But to really get your hand inside a well-made puppet, people don't have that experience. So we're going to show you what you need to actually make a mouth palette that will be comfortable for your puppet, and it can be modified and adjusted for any puppet based on your own, um, based on your design. Yes, that's so interesting. it's it, and I I know it, we have a lot of builders who watch the show and and we will also release pretty soon uh, next in two weeks actually on uh, the puppet builder workshop uh, uh, exclusive uh, episode an exclusive podcast over there so if you are not part of this group it's a Facebook group just go to to. To, to subscribe to this group and we will see we have um Kevin Gorby in on the 29 we will do this uh this podcast too so it's kind of a lot of things going on so I'm really happy guys you are part of this uh this adventure yeah thank you for having absolutely us. thank you say, so much for having us if anyone's interested in learning more about us or what we can do yeah. What we do, feel free to check us out we're on Instagram at Swazzle Puppet Studio um, we're on YouTube um, was it Swazzle Productions? All, um, all of these links can be found at swazzle.com, which is yeah. our website. You go to swazzle.com. But also all of our contact information is there too. Sometimes people will have questions. Um, we're really good at responding to people who have an interest in, in finding a career in puppetry and learning how to build puppets or whatever. I, I know what it's like to be a young person trying to finding what that is before you find that puppeteers guild or that group or that, you know, I think... Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're always interested in helping out the the next people coming up. Yes, the next generation of yeah. puppeteer. And we didn't get the chance to answer all the questions, so maybe Sean and Patrick after we will go <laughs> and answer uh, some stuff if you have a, a moment. But sure. uh, yeah, and and unless people... you, unless you want to do a lightning round with questions really fast, you don't have to. And um, we could do I a second think... episode too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, we will go, I will go to answer also myself uh, below if, if you, if you don't mind, because it, it's uh, uh, the hour, we hit the hour of the, right, the podcast, great. so we, we keep it inside. Thank you so much for, for participate. So I will, yeah, you can bring the puppet for the, the last bye-bye. So thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It was a real treat. Absolutely. Yes, and we we, we will see you again on um, it's August 7 at 7 East time, 4 Pacific time. So thank you guys and, and we stay tuned. I will do, do the last word by myself. Stay there. I will chat with you after the interview. Yes, everyone, thank you again. And yes, it was a pleasure. Another episode, 50 episodes, 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, everyone. Feel free to share this. Put it on the wall of your wall or everywhere. And we will keep growing this beautiful community and connecting the dots. So have a look on the Patreon and promote your job. Like doing this business vision tonight was really interesting. So promote your whatever you do or whatever you have done in the past, put it online. We have tips for you guys on the, the podcast. We, you can see more on the website also, the tips to help you on promotion, how to use Instagram and build your Instagram feel or whatever you need. So 
Yes, that's part of our mission as the Puppet Podcast. Have a good evening, everyone, and see you in the future for next episode next week. Bye. Learn how to create quality puppet mouth palace with Swazzle Team, professional puppet builders from California. Link in the description. Bye.